So what we're going to be looking at today is uh, in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 5 through 9. This passage just really just, it, it just always really hit me. Uh, I probably have preached uh, preach this passage here before, but I always say, you know, if something's really good, we need to repeat it at least a couple times, because you guys know, get as old as me and you start forgetting things, first of all, and second of all, even as those of us that have really good memories, we have a tendency to forget stuff that's important. All right? So let's focus on this. I'm actually going to back up a little bit uh, and, and start early uh, in Philippians chapter 2. But what I, the, the title of this uh, sermon today is going to be, and, and, I, and I hope I step on some toes with this, and it might wake some people up, Okay? Uh, if you really need to sleep, then you go ahead and sleep, because that's okay, because you know, I know you'll still listen even while you're sleeping. In fact, if you, if, you, if you need to sleep, please sleep, and then I'll just talk to, I'll talk to God with you, and then God will like, be in your dreams, and that'll be like really cool. All right? But, the title of this is, <laughs> Jesus would never run for president of the United States. Okay? Jesus would never run for president of the United States. And a little hint for you, if Jesus ever did decide, if Jesus decided to come down and say, okay, I'm going to you do the reincarnation a second time and, and try to be a person and, and run for, for office, uh, he'd probably get crucified again. He probably would. But here is why Jesus would never run for president of the United States. It's because Jesus follows one Jesus follows one way to impact us. And it's the way that God has chosen to act throughout all of time. And it's a way that is antithetical to the way all of us try to do things. And it's exactly why he would never try to run for president. It's because as we think about our current uh, political climate that we are in the middle of, starting from now, I, I can't believe they say that it's, it's right around 100 days until November when everybody's going to vote. And it is just amazing to me. If you start talking about voting and you start talking about political parties and going back and forth, how very quickly people become very engaged and most of the engagingness that people have, in fact, there's somebody that used to come here on a regular basis. One time I was out in the parking lot, and he was somebody who, every time I came to preach, he was like, amen, 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 right? In fact, half the verses that I said, he would even, he would finish the verses before I finished them, okay? But this same individual, when we were out in the parking lot, I did not even know how it happened, but somehow we just very briefly brushed up against politics. 
And a totally different thing came out of this man. I mean, he was like, and I was like, my eyes got this big, and I was like, whoa. It's really interesting. You see, Jesus said all of the time, it's easy to love people who love you back. It's easy to love people who agree with you. But I say to you, what? Love your enemies. Pray for those who hurt you. When someone gets in your face about your, polit your political views, pray for them. Smile at them. Love them. That's what he says. And we can't do that in our own. That's why we need that indwelling that we talked about in the, in the end of the song. We need the indwelling of Jesus to be able to maintain the right attitude as we deal with people. But in Philippians chapter 2, we'll see exactly why Jesus would never, ever run for president. A little hint for you. If you're discouraged sometimes by what's going on in our, in our country or in our world, don't be discouraged. Because if you serve Jesus, you don't serve a president. You serve the king. And there's only one king. And he's not just king, he's king of kings. And we know who that is. That's Jesus. But Jesus, who is the king of kings, set an example for us that is unbelievable that we all need to follow. And if we follow this example, we would totally change our world. We would rock our world. Here's what he says. In Philippians 2, Paul, of course, is talking to the church in Philippi. And he's saying, if there is any consolation, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, in Christ. Of course, consolation means consoling. When you're going through a hard time, it's really nice when somebody comes and says, Hey, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. I understand what it's like to go what you're, through what you're going through. Well, Jesus understands everything you're going through. That's why He came and lived and died for your sins. He knows what it's like to be human. He went through it. So, we can answer the answer to that question would be, Yes. If there's any consolation, well, yes, <laughs> because Jesus is the consoler. He is there to provide that for us. Then it says, if there's any comfort of love. Well, once again, what did Jesus do for all of us? He died on the cross for our sins. He paid the ultimate price to buy us back to himself. I don't know about you, but that should comfort you. If that doesn't comfort you, then you don't really understand what it's all about. If you don't understand what it's all about, it's okay to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need help understanding what it means that you really love me, and you really died for my sins, and you really are there for me. 
Most of you know my testimony when my life changed is when I was honest with God and I said, I read these words in the Bible, but as far as me actually engaging with these words myself personally, I can't even do that unless you help me, God. And when I said that, that's when my life started to change. Everything started to pop all over the place. Because God was like, yeah, you're being honest and humble with me. Let's do this. Hear what I said? Being honest and humble. You see, most of the time, when somebody you bump into is doing something wrong, I work a lot with kids now. I work a lot with kids. And when kids do something wrong, what's the first thing they do? If you ask him if they did it, well, it wasn't me. Or they come up with an excuse. The first response, the first action that we always want to take in our flesh when we are caught doing something wrong is to say, oh, it wasn't me. Or that's, you know, or come up with some, some convenient reason to say why I didn't do a certain thing. The issue is, is that in our society, if somebody admits guilt, we don't honor that. We don't say thank you for being honest. We crucify them. We chew them up and spit them out. Especially in the media. Most of the time. So often, when we are confronted with the truth about our lives, we seek to be dishonest and proud instead of humble and honest. So, let's get back to the text. If there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy. Once again, where is all the affection and the mercy coming from? It's not from us. (laughs) Because in and of myself, I have no affection and no mercy. You do something evil to me, I might be able to forgive you once. You do it to me twice, I'm going to be even more hesitant but you do the same thing to me over and over and over again, I'm going to write you off because I am fallen and human and I'm messed up. But can you believe that there have been thousands and thousands and thousands of times where Jesus has had affection and mercy for your sin and my sin? Can you believe that? I can't. Every day I marvel at the fact that God has chosen to forgive my sin over and over again. It's the most amazing thing that there is. I mean, in our society, we can't even forgive somebody for just doing the littlest thing. I mean, there's been times where I'll be walking along and I do just the littlest thing and people will be like, what are you doing? Watch where you're walking. They'll just blow up over the littlest thing. 
Jesus Christ has forgiven and offered forgiveness. Not everybody has taken advantage of it, but he has offered forgiveness for every sin that is out there. The small sins and the big sins and the evil, he has offered forgiveness for all of that. That is amazing. Can you sit still, please? Thank you. So here's what Paul says. If you have all of these things, if you really have entered into comfort of love and consolation and fellowship with the Spirit and affection and mercy, then what is going to be the byproduct of that? How are you going to live your life? What you're going to do is you're going to, verse 2, fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And then this is where it hits, right here. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Now, a little hint for you. When it says esteem others better than himself, that word esteem means to value. It means a choice of of things. It doesn't mean think that, well, everybody else is the best ever and I'm garbage. That's not what that's saying. Because that's shame. And that's playing the victim. That's not what God is calling us to do. What it's saying is, is that we value others and we seek to be sensitive to where other people are coming from, and we place them before ourselves, but we don't do it out of shame. We do it because of what God has done for us. God has led by example by doing the same thing for us, and we have received that, and then we do the same thing for other people. That's what that is talking about. So, notice in verse 4, it says, Let each of you look not only... On his own interests. But also on the interests of others. It doesn't say don't ever look on your own interests. It doesn't say that. It says not only on your own interests. So what that basically means is. Is that we need to be willing. To do two things. We need to be willing to ask for help. When we need help. Because last time I checked. All of us. My Bible says that all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. If we've all sinned, then we all need help. If we don't humble ourselves and ask for help, then we're never going to get it. So we need to humble ourselves and ask for help, number one. And then number two, once we receive help, then we can also give help to other people as well. It's both. See, a lot of people, they like, oh, they love to be the one that's, oh, I'm so spiritual. I'm doing the helping. I'm doing the giving to other people. They want to be the magnanimous, gracious, generous person because it gets them cred. But when it comes to actually humbling and saying, you know, I need help. I need prayer. I need forgiveness. When we ask help from God and we ask help from other people, we will get it if we follow these verses. 
then it really hits the road. This is where it gets really important and really focused. Because in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Now, notice it doesn't say, work really hard to try to have a mind that is like Christ Jesus. Most of us, when we think about following Jesus in our lives, most of us, that's what we end up doing. And I've, I've done it. We've all done it. Okay? And it's something we learn and grow through. But my encouragement to you is, in prayer, you can ask God to give you His mind. That's what this is talking about right here. Because unless God gives you His mind and His mindset and His way of thinking, right? That's why the Bible also says Christ in you is the hope of glory. So we don't, we not only do we have God's mind or Christ's mind, but we have all of Christ inside us if we have faith in Him, if we have received His forgiveness for our sins. But we need to constantly be in the process of letting His mind be in us. And here's how we do this. If I'm in a situation where somebody has done something wrong against me, and I'm feeling really mad and hurt, and I want to try to get back at them, but I know I shouldn't, I can either try to white-knuckle it and say, Oh, I really shouldn't be mad at them, or what can I say that will make it sound like I'm not mad, and, and so I can pretend like I'm a good Christian, and put a smile on my face, a fake smile, or I can, in that situation, invite God into my mind. I can say, God, here's the truth. Right now, I'm really angry. I'm really frustrated. This person hurt me, and it really hurts. But your word says that you want me to have your mind. So I ask you to give me your mind... And give me your resources to deal with this situation. I ask you, God, to bless this person that I'm really mad at right now. I ask you to help me to forgive them. And help me to keep taking my steps one day at a time as I follow you. See, a lot of people... In their prayer life, all they're doing is, oh God, I pray for my mom, help her. I pray for this person that's sick. I pray for this, I pray for that. And then in Jesus' name, amen. And then they go to sleep. Prayer needs to be more than that for us. Prayer needs to be us engaging with what God wants us to have and what we already have because we have received the forgiveness of God and Christ really is in us. Prayer needs to be the the conduit or the, the supply line by which we actually take hold of the things that God wants to do in our lives. That's what prayer is. So we need to choose to let this mind be in us. I like the open hand, the open hand illustration. I've used this before. If, you, if I gave you $1,000 for every uh, kernel of sand that you could get off a beach, if you're walking off the beach and you have your hand open, 
and you keep your hand open, you can carry a lot of sand off and they'd be worth a lot of money to you. But if partway as you're getting off, you start to be afraid about the stuff that's falling off the edges and you start to close your hand, what will happen is you have less and less and less. It's the same way with letting God work in your life. When you take your hand and you open your hand up to God and you say, God, I give you my life. I give you everything. I give you full access to me. God, I want your mind. I want to be able to humble myself and follow you, but I can't do it unless you come in. Unless you do a work, God. Would you do a work in me? When you have your hand open, God is going to flood your life and He's going to do things that you have never seen before. That's when my life changed and still is changing. What is the mind that God wants us to have? He wants us to have a mind just like verse 6. Now he's going to describe what the mind of Christ was. He was being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. I don't want to gloss over that. That is so powerful. You see, so many of us, when somebody comes up to us and they ask us who we are, most of us, we struggle with our pride. And it's so easy when somebody says, so where do you work? Or where do you, where do you live? Or what do you do? It's very easy for us to slide into kind of promoting ourselves. You know, none of us, none of us here are running for office, but I still feel like some of us, we still, we still are trying to act like we're running for office. You know, if you listen to the presidential debates, it's always, well, I was on this, and I did this, and I did this, you know, and I did, you know, it's like, what, are you like a verbal resume or something? Do you have diarrhea of the ego? What is going on here? But that's everywhere we go. I, I, I'm in situations in public, and I, I hear people talking all of the time. I've been in the same room with people that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I've been in rooms with people that have nothing. And one thing is the same. Everybody is always promoting themselves. Everybody. That's not what God is calling us to do. Because Jesus Christ, here's the key thing. Jesus Christ was God. So when Jesus came, if Jesus comes into the room and you say, so who are you? And Jesus said, well, I'm... The creator of everything, the Alpha and the Omega. He would not be lying. Not, not only would he not be lying, he wouldn't be bragging. He wouldn't be making anything up, because it's the truth. But even though it's the truth that he is the top dog, highest of high, even though that is the true thing about him, what did he do with that? Did he stay on the top of everything and go, hey, here I am. Everybody worship me. This is cool. <coughs> no. He, even though he deserved to be on the very top of everything, what did he do? He was in the very form God. And it was not even something, it, it, it would not be robbery for him to say that he was equal with God. In other words, if he gave you a business card and on his business card it said God, he would not be lying. But what did he do anyway? He 
made himself of no reputation. Because the truth is, is that the only person that could make Jesus of no reputation was Jesus. Jesus chose to give up everything and to come and be a human and to walk for 33 years amongst us and then allow people to brutally murder him on a cross. And he did it all for you. He did it all for me. I don't understand that. That blows my mind. But that's the truth of God's word. See, when the truth of that lands on you and me, we will follow Jesus wherever he wants us to go. We will do whatever he wants us to do. We will say whatever he wants us to say. We will give our lives for him because he gave his life for us. So what did he do? He took the form of a bondservant and came in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled, there it is again, himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. One of the things that I say all of the time when I talk with young people is, is that talk is cheap. So many people have so many theories about, oh, if we do this and this and this, we'll solve all of our problems. Or if, if you do this and this and this, this is what I'll do for you. Or so, even in our personal lives, people will say, well, if you do this for me, then I will love you. Or if you really loved me, you'd do this. People use the word love all the time, and most of the time they're using it to take advantage of people. But see, with Jesus, he didn't talk a good game. He lived it. He didn't flap his mouth with a bunch of theories about all these new government programs that he can do, or we're going to lower taxes and we'll do this, or we're going to do this to fix your problems, or we're going to make this. No, he didn't waste any time with any of that theory. What he did is he came to us with the reality of himself and he said simply, you come to me, I will forgive your sin and I will change your life and I will give you a life that is outside of this world. That is what heaven is all about. You see, Jesus doesn't need our help to work in our lives. He needs our permission. And the coolest part about being humble and honest, like I said earlier, there's a huge difference between humble and honest and prideful and, 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 and deceitful. Is the truth is, is that as we are humble and honest, sometimes our humble honesty just has to be about our pride and our deceitfulness. We have to be honest with God about exactly where we are. We don't try to put on a slap on a happy face or slap on our, our Christianity 
to look good because God sees our heart. We need to continually walk. You know, it, it's, 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 there's a verse that talk, uh, talks about walk humbly with your God. What is that? That's, that's talking to God honestly about where you are in your life. And that's something that should start once we receive Jesus as our Savior, but it should never end. Because God wants to constantly grow us up as we follow Him. I love verse 9, though. After all of these things that Jesus did, He even humbled Himself and submitted Himself to the Godhead. To God the Father. The Trinity was well at work here. In verse 9 it says, Therefore God also has highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The message I have for you guys is the same message I have for all of our presidential candidates. So many people, when they're running campaigns, they try to, they try to catch the other person in, oh, they said this, but then here they did this. And, they, and we think that, oh, if we could just catch somebody saying a lie, whatever. You know what? I pray one thing. I pray that the truth of God would be known. I pray that the truth of God would be known. I pray that the truth of God would be known. Yes, that's what I do. I pray that the truth of God would be known. Because the truth is, is that we all give an account for our lives. And if we don't humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness for our sin... The consequences are huge. And it doesn't matter how nice your suit is. It doesn't matter how many nice words you can say. It doesn't matter how many people say they're going to vote for you. It doesn't matter anything. If you have not had a real encounter with God where He has taken your sin away... You will pay the price for that for all eternity in hell. I would pay the price for that. Every day, as I go through my day, I'm constantly being reminded, okay, am I walking humbly with my God? The Holy Spirit is constantly convicting me of my sin. Little sins, big sins, doesn't matter. That relationship with God. So I'm not saying, oh, I'm perfect up here and I can tell, I can look at somebody else and I know what their sin is. Uh-uh. No. God is the one who judges. And He judges equally all of us. Equally. But we need to be very careful. We need to be not led away by pride and deceitfulness. And instead, we need to embrace humility and honesty. And the reason we need to do that is because the person who we are following led by example. 
and showed the way. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for being here. We say that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are high and lifted up. And you work in mysterious ways that we don't always understand. I would say most of the time we don't understand how you work. But we know you are working. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to bring repentance and revival and truth and healing to our land, to our country, to our world. Would you bring that? Lord, those of us that are following you, would you give us a peace regardless of what happens on this earth? Because we know your, your word is so clear. You said in this world you will have trouble. But don't worry, I have overcome the world. Help us, Lord, not to worry and fret regardless of what happens in the political scene, regardless of what happens in our society. There is one king and the king is you, and you're in control, and we serve you, and we worship you, and we will not be silent. We will not stop talking the tr about the truth about who you are. We will not stop talking about how we need you and how you are changing our lives, because that was what you have called us to do. Thank you, Father. Help us to walk humbly with you as our God. Amen.